Welcome to the Chase Podcast. Dr. Ron Charles is a renowned archaeologist, author, historian, speaker, missionary, and is known as the Christian Indiana Jones. Dr. Charles has spent over 50 years researching and uncovering truths about Jesus Christ and information that proves the historical authenticity of the Bible. Gleaned from his years of tireless research, ministry, and archaeological work as the pages of the Bible come to life like never before. Visit cubitfoundation.org for Dr. Ron's books and information about this global ministry. Hi, I'm Dr. Ron Charles. Thanks for tuning in today. But today we want to talk a little bit about uh, Joseph and a very familiar story, but perhaps we may not know the uh, the whole story behind the story. And so I'm going to read in uh, Genesis uh, chapter number 39, and I'm going to begin reading at uh, verse number 20. And Joseph's master took him and put him in the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Joseph was sold into slavery into Egypt and became the property of Potiphar. Potiphar was the was a cousin of the uh, of the king of England, uh, king of Egypt, uh, the Pharaoh. Uh, so he was of the royal family, um, but he also uh, was in charge of what was called the personal guard, which they called butchers. These were a group of 39 men whose sole purpose was to prevent anyone from getting within 10 feet of Pharaoh. And uh, he also was uh, the captain of the guard and that he was responsible for the uh, personal uh, military, uh, the, the 3,000 personal guard of Pharaoh himself. And so uh, uh, Potiphar was, was a very uh, knowledgeable um, politically on what was going on in the world. And uh, he was extremely dedicated to his cousin, the Pharaoh. And he was uh, extremely um, uh, in tune with the uh, practices of Egypt and the religion of Egypt. Now, Potiphar, one thing you may not uh, be aware, uh, he had numerous wives. In fact, he had nine wives, uh, but he was a eunuch. He had no children and he could not produce children and the wives were strictly political marriages because Potiphar was uh, of the royal family then he could make uh, diplomatic missions and he could make diplomatic marriages to confirm treaties to confirm agreements and so forth and uh, Zaluka who was his uh, his wife uh, that we're talking about here with this situation with uh, with Joseph was the 14 year old daughter of the king of Babylon and uh, she was uh, married to Potiphar as a diplomatic marriage 
to agree uh, to a treaty that Egypt had with Babylon. And so uh, by the time this particular story took place, uh, she was 18 years old. And uh, some people say 20, but between 18 and 20. And so, um, uh, so let, let me set the stage behind these circumstances. Now, the Egyptians believed in various idols, a number of gods. They worshipped 2,000 different gods, and they had gods for anything and everything. Now, Osiris was the god of cultivation. He's the one that made sure that the wheat came up, and the rye, and the corn, and everything came up. But Isis was the, uh, was the goddess of uh, what they call enhancement, which means that she was the goddess who guaranteed uh, uh, rain, guaranteed uh, uh, sunshine, guaranteed everything that was needed, everything necessary for the cultivation of the, uh, of the grain and the fruit uh, during cultivation time. She was also the one that guaranteed the overflowing of the Nile River during flood season to lay down the, uh, the six inches of soil, uh, fresh soil that would be necessary for the cultivation. Now, there was a celebration that was given in March of every year. March 1, March 2, March 3, and March 4. Okay, there's four days. And in that, uh, at that time, then Pharaoh, who is, uh, who is the reincarnated Horus, the god Horus, uh, he appoints uh, the appointed time for, Hor for Osiris to, uh, to have the seed cultivated or have the seed planted so that it could be cultivated. And so this uh, was a uh, celebration that they did every year uh, based on this mythology. And so what Horus does is that he picks out the Isis. It's his responsibility to pick the woman who for four days will be the reincarnated earthly form of Isis. And Isis in turn picks out her Osiris. Now this was probably the greatest honor given to any woman throughout all of Egypt for the Egyptian uh, people. It didn't matter whether the woman was single, whether she was married, whether she was a princess, whether she was a pauper, it, it, it didn't matter. Uh, Pharaoh picked out this woman who would be the, the Isis for four days and uh, to guarantee the harvest for the next year. Well, she would pick her Osiris, and it would be her responsibility to claim who it would be. His name is registered with Pharaoh, and then over after the registration has taken place for the next four days of the celebration, there was no relationships between uh, human beings, the residents of, of Egypt, because they wanted all of that sexual energy to be placed upon the chosen Isis and the chosen Osiris. Now they had four days to conceive a child. Now, the conceiving of the child meant the germination of the seed that was 
that was planted and that would be harvested. So if there was a, uh, a conception during that four-day period, then that meant that uh, uh, that the people of Egypt would have a harvest for the next year. The grain would come up, the people would uh, uh, would not die of starvation. So they would, uh, they were very uh, excited about this celebration and looked forward with anxious anticipation for the, for the news to be spread that there was a conception during this, during this four day period. And so on this particular year, uh, Pharaoh chose uh, Zeluka to be, uh, which is Potiphar's uh, wife, his uh, political wife from Babylon, to be the Isis. And uh, it was the greatest of all honors for Potiphar's wife to be chosen as, uh, as this Isis. And th this is how honorable this is that uh, from this day forward, she would be acknowledged as holy and she would be acknowledged kind of like a, a goddess and that they would have statues made for her, should have a, uh, an allowance of what today's equivalent would be about a million dollars uh, a year to, to live on. And uh, that didn't include the, the palace that was provided for her and all the living expenses and everything that was provided for her. And, um, and she would be basically acknowledged and worshipped and exalted as a living goddess walking on the earth. Uh, however, if she did not conceive, then she would be considered the curse of the Egyptian people. And it was through her that tragedy hit through her that starvation was brought and it's because of her and through her the civilization of Egypt came crashing down so it was a great responsibility along with that great honor and so that year she was chosen to be the Isis and she chose her housemaid her uh, the man who was in charge of seeing about their affairs within the household, Joseph. And she chose Joseph to be the Isis. She registered uh, his name and he seemed to approve of that. There was no record that he did not approve. And so consequently, now was the time for the ceremony to begin. They had four days. Four days for Isis and Osiris, or, the, uh, or in this case, Potiphar's wife and Joseph, who was representing that, uh, to come together and conceive a child. Finally, Joseph realized what was happening. He realized that, hey, I'm, I, I, I am uh, agreeing to this paganism, this pagan religion which I cannot, I, I won't do that. Now, whether he never thought about it before uh, is immaterial, but we don't know that for sure. But it seems like that, that he didn't understand the seriousness of it for a while. And then when Isis came to him, this Potiphar's wife said, now's the time. He took off 
And he said, no, no, I, I don't need this. I, I, I'm not standing uh, for this. I'm not standing on the side of, the, of your gods. And I'm not going to be involved with this paganistic uh, ritual. Well, he was able to uh, keep away from her for three days. Uh, and then on the fourth day, he, he kept away from her again. Uh, and so now the four days was over. And Joseph felt that he was safe now because this thing only lasted four days. So he, he was safe after the four days. But Zulika said that I will not be made fun of by my people. I will not be made a scapegoat of hatred and bitterness. And I will not be blamed for the loss of our cultivation. I will not do it. And who will know whether I'm conceived on the fourth day or a fifth day. So on day five, when Joseph felt like he was safe, then Zuleika approached him. Because if she could just conceive, then the day wouldn't matter. And it was on that day that she tried to force herself upon him on that day five for her to save face that Joseph had to leave ran away and she grabbed his garment <coughs> and that was the cause of him be putting into Pharaoh's prison. Potiphar was the head of Pharaoh's prison. Pharaoh's prison was the prison that that uh, Pharaoh overseed that uh, Potiphar oversaw his own self and it was for political prisoners that had offended Pharaoh. You can't get out of Pharaoh's prison except by a special permission of Pharaoh himself. So once you go to this prison, you're there for life, unless you're pardoned by Pharaoh. And it is to this prison that Joseph was sent at this time. And it wasn't because he ran away from Pharaoh's wife. It wasn't because he did not submit and uh, to the conception process. It's because he uh, he mocked uh, Pharaoh. He mocked Pharaoh by not uh, being involved with the ritual that Pharaoh had established, and he chose, even though. Uh, Pharaoh knew that he had been chosen as the Osiris. He rebelled against that and did not follow through with that obligation. And so Joseph um, mocked Pharaoh. He abused Pharaoh and he belittled Pharaoh. And that's why he was put into prison. And that's why it's such a great, wonderful overwhelming miracle that Joseph ever got out of there. Of course, you know the, the story about the, the baker and the cup bearer, uh, the guy that tastes the cup and the food. Uh, there was a plot against Pharaoh. In fact, this particular Pharaoh had 19 plots against him. This was just one of them that uh, Joseph found out about, uh, told him who was actually guilty and what would happen. And Joseph's interpretation of the dream did come true. And as a result of that, then Joseph was brought before Pharaoh when Joseph, when Pharaoh himself 
had his visions about the seven uh, good years and the seven bad years, or the seven bad years first and the seven good years. And so, um, the, uh, and so Pharaoh was, uh, knew Joseph, he was aware of him, but he was totally blown out of the water when Joseph um, willingly uh, interpreted the dreams of Pharaoh. Uh, the opinion that Pharaoh had of Joseph up to this point is that he was a rebel, that he was someone who could not be trusted to, um, to live according to our principles and live according to our doctrines. It was something that uh, this Pharaoh didn't trust him, but he did prove himself. He proved himself to be true, and Pharaoh was so overwhelmed by it that in one swift a moment of time, of course it took longer than a moment of time um, because Joseph was not told why he was let out of prison. All the thing he knew that he was going to stand before jo uh, or Pharaoh, and that was a 600-mile trip. The Pharaoh's prison was in the city of On. Pharaoh was in the city of, of Thebes. And so that 600 miles, Joseph had a lot of thinking to do. But finally, once he got down there, he was raised to the position of prime minister. So then Joseph realized what all of this happened to him was absolutely necessary. And that he did stand for God. He stand up uh, for the true God against the gods and the worship and the paganism of Egypt. And eventually he was given the uh, exaltation by God himself that he earned and that he should have had. And so it wasn't the fact that uh, Zaluka was a, uh, was a bad woman. It wasn't the fact that she was trying to uh, seduce him and have adultery with him. Is that she was under obligation by, by her religion to establish food for the family. If she didn't, then she would be blamed. You know, we, uh, those of you who know us and know our ministry, uh, you know that we have been serving in Egypt for now the past almost 29 years. We served five years in Albania, the, under communist Albania at that time. And uh, after serving there for five years, the Lord then directed us to go to Egypt, and we've been there ever since that time. And um, our primary ministry there is that we help the persecuted believers. Uh, if you are a Muslim, born a Muslim, lived with a Muslim family, and that you are in, in, totally immersed in the Islamic faith, and then accept Jesus as your Savior, then you become persecuted. And so we have been helping these folks. We also been helping widows, uh, providing them with a bag of hope, uh, which is enough to feed uh, a widow and four children for an entire month. And so we've been doing this for many, 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 uh, many years. And we are pleased to do so. And we are looking forward with uh, spending more time in Egypt. We don't know how long, just as long as God wants us there, we'll be there. We'll be there another three months, another three years, another 30 years, so as long as he wants us, that so we are privileged to be there. But you know, before uh, this current 
crisis that has taken place in Egypt, not only militarily and through terrorism, but also the challenges that they're having now through drought, uh, lack of rain, the uh, uh, pollution of the Nile River, which is polluting the, um, the canals, the irrigation canals, uh, producing fr uh, vegetables and fruit grains that are not good for human consumption which is a major problem. Uh, Egypt had other difficulties. We know that the Romans uh, conquered Egypt. The Persians conquered Egypt. The Greeks conquered Egypt. And the Hittites uh, conquered Egypt. And the Phoenicians or Carthenians uh, conquered Egypt. And so many, many, many have done so. But Egypt is a land that is very rich, and because of its riches, then it has been the crossroad or at the crossroad of conquest from the west to the east for not only decades, but for centuries and millenniums. One of the people in history that uh, gets uh, a lot of attention, especially from the Christians, is a guy by the name of Joseph. And I wrote a book on it uh, called, uh, called Joseph, and uh, I subtitled it, uh, Joseph Carried His Cross. And it's primarily about the struggle that he went through. And uh, we invite you to go to our website and, and get a hold of this book, if you will. And it's, uh, it's, not, it's not long. It's uh, 68 pages, but it has some insight into the character of Joseph and into the life of Joseph that you may be uh, pleased to read and maybe get some understanding about what the culture was at that time, the culture in which he lived. Um, he, when he was 17 years old, he was sold as a slave into, um, into Egypt and went to work for the uh, minister of the military. Uh, called Potiphar, and he was also uh, a part of the royal family. He was a cousin to the existing pharaoh at that time. And so he, um, there, there were many things that he was involved with, but he also uh, maintained his relationship with his God and not becoming involved with the Egyptian gods. And as a result of that, then God exalted him to the highest levels. And um, even as he stood all by himself in that land of Egypt, in the very midst of the fertility celebrations that he was uh, forced to become uh, uh, subject to, uh, he did not involve himself in that, which could have been a death sentence for him. But how God um, kept him and how God kept his hand of protection upon him until he was raised to the position of prime minister. And uh, there had never been a prime minister for 400 years up to this time. And there wasn't a prime minister for another uh, 500 years after his death. So this is quite an unusual undertaking. Uh, during that time, God gave him uh, interpretation to Pharaoh's dreams about seven years of good pl and plenteous harvest, then seven years of bad. Seven years of good, Herodias, the Greek historian, tells us that on the seven years of good, the, uh, the crop uh, increased itself seven 
100% each year. So on the first year was 700% more than the year before that. The second year was 700% more than the first year. And the third year was 700% more than the second year and so forth. They have so much grain, so much material, so much food in Egypt that uh, they had enough to uh, feed the, all the Egyptian plus the world. And so although Joseph may have felt like God had called him to save the Egyptian people. In reality, God had called him to save the world through Egypt. Now comes the year 1838 BC, the most uh, devastating year uh, to date with the exception of the flood of Noah. Because it was on that year that there was a wind started blowing from all out of the desert and that wind continued to blow and continued to blow and continued to blow. Un unusually, the wind in that area normally blows from the west to the east, but this particular wind blew from the east to the west, which means that it was not a normal undertaking. This was the beginning of what was called the seven years of bad. It was also during that seven years that the wind never ceased. It blew continually, sometimes violently, sometimes not so violent, but it did cause a major catastrophe. At the end of the seven years, the water level of the uh, of the Pacific, uh, the Atlantic Ocean had risen uh, almost four inches because so much topsoil was dumped into the Atlantic Ocean. The once lovely cultivatable lands, the forests, the rivers, the great societies, the crops, the great vegetation that once occupied the land, once the seven years of drought was finished, then what is now the Sahara Desert was created. And so outside of the flood of Noah, this seven years of total devastation is considered the greatest attack upon the environment and the civilization of the world that has ever, ever happened before. And Joseph was there in the middle of it on how to not only save the people of Egypt, but in reality to save the entire world from destruction and the entire world from being reduced to little more than tribes. And so because of God's warning, because of God's wisdom working through Joseph, and because of God's um, a desire for man not to be exterminated during this time, then Joseph was able to not only survive this seven years of bad and to uh, let the people of Egypt to survive, but also the countries of the world. He was able to allow them, a remnant of their civilizations, to survive. So if you want to know a little bit more about G uh, Joseph, 
how he made all this happen, how it did it, how he did it all, and how it's necessary to, uh, how it was necessary for him to do certain things. Get this book, if you will. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. And it tells about the life of Joseph and how that life of Joseph even affects us even to this very day. And so thank you for your attention today. And thank you for being with us. Remember, pray for us. Pray for us individually and pray for the persecuted believers at least five minutes a day. The Chase with Dr. Ron Charles is sponsored by supporters of the Cubit Foundation. Visit cubitfoundation.org for Dr. Ron's books and discover how you can support this global ministry.